Welcome to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers. And welcome to another edition of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. I'm Harry Alexander, along with Bunker de France in Los Angeles. It is Todd Roberts. Howdy. Howdy, gentlemen. How are you today? Howdy doodly, all. We be well. We be well. Uh, good show for today. We're going to talk with uh, a fellow by the name of Travis Mills. He runs uh, an outfit called Running Wild Films. And uh, aside from westerns, they produce a bunch of other movies, uh, shorts and uh, full-length features and whatnot. Um, but westerns is what we're here to talk with him about. I think, I think we're going to... Make a, I don't know what I'm going to say here. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Yeah, I think we're going to make history. I hope so. (laughs) Travis, welcome to Voices of the West. Glad to have you with us, sir. Honored to be here. Thank you for having me. I think the best, the 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 first question out of the mouth needs to be. Have you had lunch? No. No, (laughs) In in (laughs) what prompted you to come to this life of making Western movies? So I've always been obsessed with movies, and uh, my parents raised me in, in overseas in Africa, where they were on the mission field, and pretty much my education was watching VHS tapes, classics, 80s movies, everything from Spielberg to John Ford, and um, really fell in love with it, started making films, and in the process fell in love with the Western. Started with John Ford and Howard Hawks, moved on to Bud Bedecker and Anthony Mann, you wow. know, and... Uh, just really loved the genre and I had made about I don't know at that time about eight or nine feature films and decided what am I doing next well I'll make 12 movies in 12 months that sounds pretty crazy <laughs> can someone do it and then I thought well you know they could be easy they could just be all set in a hotel room so that's not very <laughs> right. challenging right what would be a challenging genre to take on I said well the western you know and obviously you know not many people realize how varied the Western can be, how diverse mm-hmm. it is. Yes. Right? There's the traditional Westerns, but there's even even in the old days, you know, something like 40 Guns by Sam Fuller is the complete opposite of something like The Furies from Anthony Mann. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's yeah. just so much variety in the genre. Or you take the Oxbow incident and compare that to Winchester 73. I mean, I, I don't think the totally. two of yeah. You know, one of the things I find interesting is, is looking at your background, and you know, here's a fellow who comes out of film school, out of out of college, and I've 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 been around these guys. I worked for a few of them doing AFI films out in California, and and, and as you as you stated in the past, you know, you do, you don't come out prepared to make movies. You know, you you you're prepared to be an administrator or a facilitator, but not to make movies. And you turn that you turn that around. You know, you you're a movie maker. You, you it almost seems like compulsive, addictive kind of behavior, and <laughs> it's just so neat. And again, like I'm going into your background, and I've studied film all my life. And the one area of film study that seemed seemed to be the most most neglected is film philosophy. And in reading some of your statements and stuff, you seem to be very steeped in film philosophy, you know, which is, I think, the foundation for filmmaking. Yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, it's all come from just experience. You know, after film school, I kind of realized, I'm like, I didn't, you know, I met some cool people and all that, but I didn't really learn. And so I just started making films like a madman, learning from all of my lessons and all the mistakes that I made. And I think the philosophy just grew out of experience. You know, mm-hmm. it, it can't it can't grow from just sitting in a room thinking about movies. You know, um, you have to be on the ground doing it, um, and, and and that's where it came from. That's where the ethic came from. Um, so hopefully, it's grown over the years, and hopefully, it helps some people as they read about it. I've also I've also seen where you know just again reading what you've said that you have made a very serious inroads into reading about from the great filmmakers themselves and learning from what they said and taking you know the, the, the basic lesson is make you know make a movie don't don't talk about it make it and 
then move on. Yeah, yeah. Let the movie talk for itself. Yeah, and also don't be a perfectionist. Is is my mm-hmm. whole thing. Is you know, uh, John Ford made so many short films and, and silent one reel, two reel films mm-hmm. before he made any of the masterpieces that we look at all the time, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, people don't think about that. You know, Stagecoach was not his first movie. It may have been his first masterpiece right but it wasn't his first film so i looked at that and 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 read a story that you know when he was in the old studio days they would throw a script on his doorstep every monday morning and usually he wouldn't have time to read it before he got to set and started shooting (laughs) and i love that i was like that's how i want to make films that's how i want to learn and then that led me to to all of this well, you know, you look at you know his early early pictures, starting with the silence and moving on, but with uh, Harry Carey, you know yep. what a teaming there because yep. he was able to uh, capture what and the same thing that you do capture that essence of what the Western is. You know, Harry Carey wasn't Tom Mix. Harry Carey was the next generation William S. Hart. Yeah, and that's what's so sorely missing in a lot of westerns. And that's the kind of characters you have. You have the William S. Hart type characters in there. Yeah. Well, I love hearing that. You're the first person to say that, so that's super encouraging, for sure. Todd, you got anything in there? Well, I think that it, you know, my first question, Travis, is where the hell did you come from? Because, (laughs) you know, and I mean that in a complimentary way, uh, you know, I know that me being 61 and my two compadres here, uh, who are somewhat in the same age range as me? We love John Ford and we love classic westerns and Howard Hawks and Anthony Mann and Bud Boddicker and but uh, people under the age of fifty don't even know who he is. So right, you know, how do you? I, I guess I, who I really want to be interviewing are your parents because they <laughs> created you, and I'd like to thank them both with dinner and libation beyond. Beyond the the fill. Uh, well, they're because, available next weekend, so you're on. Okay. Well, yeah, and I'm available for drinking. Um, so, you know, here, you know, I guess my point is, is that it. This is an anomaly. You're an alien. This is uh, invasion of the body snatchers. Because, uh, respectfully, I mean this to you. And you're what, thirty five, thirty? Yeah, thirty five. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you're so, over the hill. You know, I, I, I've had never long discussions you're over with, the hill. you know, people in my family who are in your age bracket, and they look at me with a big, cold, dead stare um, when I say, you know, well, John Ford or Howard Hawks or Anthony Mann or Jimmy Stewart or Alan Ladd or Audie Murphy or whoever it is. Um, and here you're not only making films about them, but you've studied them. So, you know, where... Where did it hit you that, you know, that's what I want to do. What I'm watching is what I want to create. What what I'm watching is what I want to try to achieve. Yeah, I mean, a few things. So growing up in Africa, having no regular television like an American kid would, but having these movies on VHS tape, watching everything from Aliens when I was six years old to Casablanca around the same time. Yeah, I have this varied film education. My, my parents weren't movie freaks, but we just appreciated watching things, and that's what we had to do at night when we were there in Africa. Then coming back and starting to, I think what, what you're describing is really, it's a lack of curiosity that is in my generation. What I'm saying is they're not diggers. Mm-hmm. A lot of young filmmakers are purely, they're just so content to just watch the Tarantino films and the Christopher Nolan films, and that's it. And they don't, they don't even ask themselves, well, where did Tarantino get his influences, and where did those influences come mm-hmm. from? And that's what I did. I just kept, I said, well, I like Martin Scorsese. What does he like? Oh, he likes John Ford. Okay, well, where does the Ford stuff come from? You know, and I just kept going back and back. And then you watch all the Ford stuff and you say, but there's this other guy, Anthony Mann. He's just as good, Mm -hmm. if not better. So, you know, they just, a lack of appetite. Whereas my mentor, Gus Edwards, who kind of turned me on to some of this stuff, said in the 60s when he was in the whole film world, they were watching movies, plays, reading scripts, reading plays like 15 times um, in a row just to try to learn what is Brando doing? How does he do it? 
you know, we want to copy him. That kind of appetite for learning is not there anymore, sadly. And uh, that's what I would credit for, well, for all of this. You know, one of the things, too, is that like when you talk about you know, sitting there in Africa watching these films, you were watching them for entertainment. And that's one of the things I think is lost today. So many films aren't made for entertainment. They're made for vicarious thrills. And I think that that's a big difference. You know, you go back to, you mentioned John Ford. John Ford working for D.W. Griffin, Birth of a Nation. I mean, yep. you can't go much further back. No. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's about telling a good story, right? That's what this all boils down to, is sitting around a campfire and entertaining your friends with a good story. And that's what a movie is, pretty much, yep. right? So, and if it does more than that, great. So when you left, uh, after you finished up with film school, did, uh, did you try and, and uh, work these things out in Hollywood itself, or did you already decide you wanted to go independent? I was never interested in going out to L.A. However, out of film school, I was honestly burned out. Everything that they taught me, I was just like, I don't know, man. I don't know if I want to make movies. But about a year and a half later, I'd stayed friends with one of my film professors who was great, Gus. He's the mm -hmm. one that... That kind of showed me film noir, showed me westerns, all that stuff. And, you know, he, I told him, give me a script, any script. I'm, I'm hungry again. I need to make a film. And then after that, that was the birth of Running Wild. And I never stopped. Yeah. I quit my day job and I just never stopped making movies after yeah. that point. Uh, did it completely myself. Tell yeah. us more about Gus Edwards because uh, obviously he was a tremendous influence on you as, as a as a teacher yes. and as a mentor and as a co-producer i mean you guys you formed a you formed a wonderful combination yeah he's incredible so he came from st thomas um, moved to new york tried to be an actor tried to be a novelist ended up being a playwright a very important african-american playwright and the company that sort of Birth, Denzel, Samuel Jackson, all yeah, those, yeah. those okay. iconic African-American mm -hmm. actors. Then he became playwright in residence at Arizona State University, and then eventually, because he loved film, ended up being a film professor. I met him. We started having lunch every week, and then it continued after he retired and I graduated. And, you know, he's, he's kind of been a behind-the-scenes influence on everything I've done, not so much an on-set influence, but just reading scripts guiding me you know watching the films just just even the other week we met up again and he watched three of the recent westerns and his his influence means so much to me kind of a yoda <laughs> yes he is yoda <laughs> <laughs> he is yoda that's cool <laughs> that's excellent that is excellent well so blood country was the first movie then is that correct yeah, it wasn't part of the 12 Westerns, to be clear, mm -hmm. but in 2016, I think it was, released it in 2017, I made this film, Blood Country, based on a true story of something that happened in Mississippi. People don't think of Mississippi as an Old West kind of place, but <laughs> I think the Western is pretty flexible in terms of geography. Thank you. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it, it, it you know... It did really well. It blew me away. When we put it on Amazon, first three months, it, it made half its budget back. And I said, wow. what the heck? This movie doesn't have anyone famous in it. What's going on? And I discovered the undying interest and love of the Western, that there's people out there that will really watch any new Western content because they love it so much and they don't care if there's a famous movie actor in it or not. Well, you know, there's a lot of people out there who want to shoot me on sight or burn me in effigy. Because I say the, the Wild West began at Jamestown. Because if you look at the history of Jamestown and the, the wilderness that was outside the gate and the, and the American Indian population that was there, yep. that was as wild as the West as any John exactly. Ford movie. Exactly. Well, that's how well, I, there you go. That's, that's how I discovered your films, Travis, was uh, on Amazon, just looking around, looking for something new to watch, and uh, come up with this 12 Westerns in 12 months, and I said, what the hell is this? And <laughs> let's look into this one. And, uh, and that's we, during COVID. Too. And that was during COVID. And, and so the very first one that I saw was Bastard's Crossing. Which I saw with okay. you again and, last week. And Bunker came over to the house 
uh, earlier this week and watched that because he doesn't have the streaming services that I do. And so he Long watched. We, <laughs> we watched that one, Bastards Crossing, and Counting Bullets. And nice. And uh, I mean, I've got more of them <laughs> that we could have watched. We just ran out of time. <laughs> John Mars. Wow, this guy. And I yeah. know. I know he works for you as, as an assistant director, a co-producer, uh, armor wrangler. This guy, he is. He, he's like he's. In, I put him right up there with Sam Elliott. Whoa. That that kind of character. Oh man. Yeah. He's good. If he's not listening now, I'm going to tell him when he shows up at the screening tonight. Tell him to listen to this again because he's going to just go crazy. Counting, His head's big enough already, so ca- thanks a lot. Counting bullets <laughs> is a great story, and uh, what it showed me was you've got uh, these two. Two important personalities: the shave tail lieutenant and the sergeant major, who's been busted down to sergeant. And they're two strong characters, and they have to work together. And despite you know them each seeing something short in the other one, they still manage to work together. And man, what a great character development. Well, yeah, I want to add to that, you know, because you got John Agar in Fort Apache, uh, George Hamilton in Distant Drums, and the, now you got this shape tale. There's like a trilogy of some of the three, and that guy, the lieutenant, he yes. also he, yeah. was awesome. He was great. A- excellent er- actor. Excellent actor. Yeah. You can tell him cool. too. Uh- we got to do our. I will. I will. We got to do our first commercial break here on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. We're talking with filmmaker Travis Mills uh, from Running Wild Films. He's got a series out called um, Twelve Westerns in Twelve Months, and you can find them virtually on Amazon or a variety of other streaming services. And if you haven't found one yet, you better go look for it because these things are really, really really good. We'll be back with much more after this. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Imus Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond check and stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Imus Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. 777-1911. America, let me tell you about Sergeant Greg Anderson. Served two tours in Afghanistan, Bronze Star and Purple Heart recipient, and unemployed. The unemployment rate among transitioning service members is unacceptably high, much higher than the general population. Veterans are a proven commodity. They're mature, reliable, and hardworking. They deserve a chance to get back to work after serving their country. Do you really want to honor a veteran? Hire one. Go to legion.org slash honorveterans to find out how you can help. Sport, this is the sweetest setup I've ever had in my life. I'll loan her the money we get from selling her own cattle. And when these suckers go broke fighting each other, you and I move in and take over most of the valley. <laughs> this is the Voices of the West.
Franzi's Voices in the like West, Terry Alexander, Bunker to France, Todd Roberts in Los Angeles. That sounds like uh, Hawaiian cowboys. It's actually Bill Boyd and his uh, cowboy wranglers. Oh, well, they got that the They do. They do. Our guest is uh, Travis Mills, uh, Running Wild Films. He's a co-owner of that. He's also a producer, a writer, actor, director, jack of all trades, and master of uh, probably all of them. Uh, he's got a ton of films out, uh, doing a project, 12 Westerns in 12 months, and uh, that's the focus you know I, I of want our you, topic today. Travis, I want you to quickly run down all 52 titles of 52 and 52. No, no, I can't do that, man. My brain is mush. But I will, I will tell you, you're referencing the short films I made in 2013, 52 short films. They were all based on stories by Edgar Allan Poe, James Joyce, Mark Twain. That was a great project, and that yeah. was boot camp for the 12 Westerns, you know. Yeah, it was great so, training, like, yeah. And uh, you, got to, you got to make a lot of great mistakes so you could learn. Exactly. Yeah. Still making them. Still yeah. learning. Well, one of the one. Tell me about uh, ranch hands. That was that was kind of interesting. Reading about that one. Yeah, that was a, a project that I'd written years and years before, and someone had actually made it for me. I, I farmed it out to another director. wasn't quite happy with it, so I thought I'd do it again, and it gave me an opportunity to cast Gus, my mentor, in the role. And to <laughs> me, it was kind of a a little bit of a me too situation in the old west right you know what happens when there's this misunderstanding between man and woman in the old west and, you yeah. know we go from gratitude to resentment and then and all these kind of shifting perspectives and it was just kind of an opportunity to explore some of those themes mm -hmm. you know? it sounds like one of my dates <laughs> or Todd Roberts' dates well, well, hopefully tell, <laughs> tell me about this hopefully not with the same outcome you know <laughs> <laughs> oh god yeah uh, another short you did which it just really truly intrigued me it was a documentary 50 years of Chile because I'm a chili. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, quick story on that. Um, a guy named Steve Friedkin owned and operated a restaurant in Phoenix called Texas Grill. He's from Texas, um, and I loved eating there. We became friends, filmed there several times, and he kept telling me, we go to this yearly thing, and you got to come out to this ch world championship chili cook-off in Terlingua, Texas. So one year, the 50th year, I went down there and filmed a little documentary. It was amazing. And if you if you haven't read it, the book about that chili festival, A Bowl of Red, um, is one of the funniest books, actually, I've ever read. It's about the history of chili, the history of the festival. You know, one guy trying to put vodka in his chili and almost burning himself to death. <laughs> All kinds of amazing stories. So, uh, yeah, that was a great experience. Yeah, because I, 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 read, I read something similar to that in Texas Monthly, because they used to at least once a, once a year have a big article and several several articles on, on chili. And it just, yeah, chili. That's a great publication. Yeah. Found many stories with him. Well, I, I want to move on now to, because I, I want to know about how you did this, but Texas Red, you had John Sales in there. How did you get him? So, Sales has always been a hero of mine because of his independent spirit. Right. And he just kind of went out and made movies the way he wanted to. I love that he makes them all over the country. You know, he kind of goes to Alaska, tells an Alaska story, goes to Florida, does that. Loved May to Juan, his sort of mining Western. Anyway, I, I told some people during filming, I said, you know, I really want to get sales to do a voice cameo as the governor in this movie. And they're like, yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I just emailed his agent and I said, this is something that, that I, you know, th this is a proposal and I can only pay him SAG scale. Is he interested? And sure enough, sent the script. Soon enough, I've got an email back from sales, and he's saying that he lo would love to do it. And he, his best um, compliment after watching the finished film is he wrote me back. He said he liked it. He said it reminded him of the ballad of Gregorio Cortez. I don't oh. know if you guys have seen that movie. Mm, wonderful but it's movie. Wonderful. Wonderful. Probably one of the best 80s westerns. Yeah. And one of the and, best and Hispano movies, yes. Oh, totally. And he said... He said the gunshot sounded real, Travis, mm. and I loved that. Yeah. I loved that was the, the atten attention to detail there. So he says he wants to make a western, and I told him I want to help him out. So maybe down the line, 
that'll happen. And te- Texas Red is a very, very good movie as well. You've seen that one, right? Thank We're, you. Watch yeah. that one as it's well. It's different, yes. obviously. Yeah. It's very different and not a traditional Western by any means, but but I'm very proud of it. Yeah, Texas Red it takes place in Mississippi. Right. <laughs> yeah. In 1940. Yeah. 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 One that I thoroughly enjoyed, A gun, a Guide to the Gunfighters of the Old West. <laughs> or the, the nice. Wild West. That yeah, one, that, yeah. that, oh man, that was great. I mean. The, Why did you like it? Okay, here's this guy who is uh, listed in this uh, dime novel type uh, of publication as one of the greatest gunfighters of the Wild West. And everybody now wants to challenge him to take, you know, to knock that chip off the shoulder, as it were. And he's insisting that he is not a gunfighter, yet everybody challenges him. And he takes care of him. He takes care of him without any problem. It's just this, I love it. This guy is just trying to lead a normal life. Yet this author, a Ned Buntline type, has suggested that he is one of the greatest gunfighters around. Yeah. It's, kind of, it's, it's kind of like legend, but yeah, better. I just love it. I mean, great story. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking about the James Gardner one yes. with that and just trying to have some, you know, just trying to do something a little bit lighter and have some fun with it, you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, and I love the Abbott and Costello movies and all of that oh, yeah. kind of humor <laughs> that we don't see anymore. So yeah. there's that in that one and also the Bandit and Wild West one you haven't seen yet has no. a lot of that kind of old school humor. Well, that, like the silent, it's a silent, you know, hell, yeah. we love silence here. Yeah. So, you know, it's yeah. like it's on our list of must do. Right. Yeah. We, I'll we, send you guys a link we, so we, you can check it out. We run yeah. silence. Uh, we, we have a... a a listing on the website uh, of the important silent movies uh, that's pretty much got them started, and they are predominantly uh, John Ford and Harry Carey senior movies. Straight shooting. Straight shooting's on there. Straight shooting's on there. I think uh, Hellbent is on there. Iron Horse is on there. Uh, the great uh, and there's a few, isn't there? Also, Harry, a few uh, William S. Hart's. There's a William S. Hart tumble and tumbleweed. Uh, tum- tum- yep, yep, that one is on there. Um, and of course, some of the important B movies. Well, you know what? Well. This is one of the things that because uh, I've, I've loved silence since I was a kid because with early days of TV, yeah, they showed that you know to sped up silence, but, yeah, but there was just something about him so captivating, right? And if you look at all the you know, when the 30s came in and the, the Cowboys started talking, a lot of the guys that had been big stars in the silence continued on as character actors. Yes. We've got guys like Ed Cobb yep. that goes all the way back to, to Griffin, all the way up into the 60s. Tom London as well. Tom London. London. Tom London. Yep. So, Travis, I have to ask you, have you ever, did you ever come out to L.A.? You know, <laughs> no offense. <laughs> but try to avoid California for the most part. Um, but okay. uh, I understand. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not opposed to to it, I will venture to L.A. if I have a good reason to go there. Um, well, I have your good reason, because you need okay, to come out here. and go to Chili John's, which okay. is world famous chili. World okay. famous. Cool. Travis, I'll have to compare the, it to the Terlingua stuff. Yeah. Travis? Yeah, and it's the only chili place that I know of that was profiled on Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. Okay. And it's a recipe from Wisconsin from about the 1902 and uh, the wife got sick and she needed a drier climate so they moved to California and uh, it's it the chili is hot you need to drink okay. a glass of milk they don't serve any beer they serve coke and so on but I get a glass of milk and then the Pineapple cream pie afterwards is uh, splendid. Travis, nego- All right. negotiate with them. Don't go any further than the Colorado River and meet them in either Yuma or Blythe and, and have God bring it to you. There you go. <laughs> Sounds good. Bunker we speaks awfully brave here, but he knows that he's coming to L.A. with Harry to visit. So he, he's just he's just trying to resist it as long as he in can. your dreams in your dreams Todd uh, speaking of dreams I think we better do a commercial break and pay some bills here I was dreaming about that indeed our guest is Travis Mills of Running Wild Films he's done a bunch of projects including 12 westerns in 12 months and again if you've not seen one of these 12 westerns in 12 months you are missing out on something really really good 
We'll be back with much more of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West right after these important messages. Do stay tuned. When looking for a property management company, here are some things you should consider. How long has the company been in business? What types of properties can they manage for you? And does the company give back to the community? Well, your search is over. The Polash Management Company meets and exceeds those considerations. They've been in business in Tucson, Arizona since the 1960s. They manage all types of properties throughout Arizona and elsewhere, from residential to commercial to public sector properties. The Polash Management Company also dedicates its time and resources to numerous community projects, including help funding the drive for the USS Arizona Memorial at the University of Arizona. You also want a property management company that puts you, the customer, First, contact the Paul Ash Management Company today at paulashmanagement.com and ask about the complete package or call 520-795-2100. That's 520-795-2100. The Paul Ash Management Company, property managers you can trust. Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business? Every year we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. The Tucson Trap and Ski Club dates from 1948 and is now at 7800 West Old Ajo Highway. The club owns 80 acres and leases 300 more from Pima County that supports 50 trap fields, 15 ski fields, two five-stand fields, two sporting plays courses with 12 stations each, a 9,000-square-foot clubhouse, 200 full-service RV hookups for members, and free Wi-Fi. This expansive facility gives enough room to host major national and international events annually, bringing thousands of people to the community. Check it out at TucsonTrapAndSki.com. You've got some cattle you want rustled, but don't have enough henchmen of your own to do the job. Little lady up the road apiece won't strike a deal with you about water rights. You out there! Come one step near and old Bess here will spit right in your eye. So you need to strike your own deal, but you need the right henchmen to do the job. The stage is hauling a Wells Fargo box loaded with gold. You've got the perfect spot to liberate that gold, but like henchmen to pull off the job. What to do? You better start packing a handgun. Call Red a Hench. We're a bad guy rental agency. We provide you with enough scrappy henchmen to tackle any job with specific directions. Just listen to what Red a Hench users have to say. Well, you know, when I joined Red a Hench, I was trained by Bud Osborne, Charlie King, and some of the best head henches there ever was. And I'm going to guarantee you that you cannot hench without the proper henches around you. And that's just a gentle hench. When you need sheer numbers of henchmen, call us. We specialize in stage holdups, water right disputes, squatter troubles, cattle rustling, and much more. Our Renna henchmen may not be able to think their way out of a paper bag, but they sure can follow directions, and they won't sing to the law about you if they get caught. See our ad in the Saturday Evening Post or Harper's Weekly. Hey, not only that, when you're in the Long Branch and you want to go next door to Doc's to get that bullet out of your shoulder... Get a Renahench to sit there on your place and keep your whiskey warm while you're gone. Renahench, when you need bad guys to do bad guy stuff so you can keep your hands clean. You let me do the work. Howdy, folks. This is Ray Benson of Asleep at the Wheel, and you're listening to the Voices of the West, of which I am one. This is the Voices of the West. On Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, Todd Roberts in Los Angeles. By the way, we are in Tucson, Arizona, and our guest is uh, calling in from somewhere, Phoenix, I think. Uh, uh, Todd uh, Travis Mills running uh, Wild Films. Yeah. And you are in Phoenix, is that right? Right now, I'm currently in Tempe, Arizona. Tempe, okay. About to show my movie, um, but I'm oftentimes I'm in Superior, Arizona. If you know where that is. Yes, we oh, do. Yeah, I like Superior. That's better than Phoenix. Yeah, much better. So, Travis, yeah, I like small uh, towns. Living in? Are you living in Tempe? Mostly Superior. Okay. Do you find so, living in Superior Superior? <laughs> I like small towns. Ever? I like I like it simple. Yeah, yeah there you go. Do you ever go to the TP in Tempe? 
I, I did once, long ago, long time ago, with a girlfriend. That was enough. <laughs> well, they used to have a enough. great ad on the radio. The guy would scream out, "Come on down to the TP and Tempe." <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay. Uh, I want to, you know, you do something, and my, my partner here, Harry, he does the same thing in a way. You do uh, Monday, uh, Movie Monday, and Harry does Bees to See for our website. And maybe you two guys should talk about uh, reviewing movies. Because yeah, there you go. I, I, love, I love your reviews. You're, you're up around okay. 130 some odd now? Something like that. I haven't counted recently. Eventually, I'm going to put a book together, though. Oh, good. I love reading. <laughs> I've got about. I've got, I, you can't. If you came over to my apartment, you could not sit on the couch because two thirds of the couch is Western movie books, and there's around two hundred plus of them. And you can't cook. That's awesome. You can't cook in the oven because he got he stores books in there too. Oh no! I, I just, I <laughs> That's a terrible place to put book. Uh, well, you know, if it wasn't for the microwaves. I'd probably eat everything cold out of a tin can. Couple of your movies, nice. couple of your movies, Travis, are of the documentary flair. Uh, I think that would be right to say, uh, "Son of mm-hmm. a Gun" and uh, "The Pleasant Valley War," where you tell about you tell these stories in a documentary form, which is totally different than uh, a lot of the way westerns are presented. And in many cases, it can be even more beneficial to understand the what actually happened if you're doing it by documentary i would think yeah well i you know when we approached pleasant valley war i was thinking about a movie i worked on tombstone rashomon oh I yeah I was seen that. That but a guy named alex cox who was a great director in the 80s made that i was a casting director for it and helped produce it i don't think it turned out as well as it could have you know a, a lot of times a film kind of gets lost in post-production unfortunately um even if the the production of it the filming of it went well um but when we were looking at the pleasant valley war it's such a big story i mean yeah. the, the thing should be a netflix miniseries mm-hmm. i'm like how do you boil this down into 90 minutes or less the film is actually way less than 90 and i i thought we need to do interviews and and combine that with narrative scenes and that's actually been the biggest one of the the um, best positive responses of the 12 westerns has been people really loving that format mm-hmm. of storytelling in the pleasant valley war so that's cool yeah we had one of the, the descendants uh, from the one of the families on the show here about what about eight nine months ago yeah something like that yeah his family was involved in it and we talked and it was it's fascinating because that event has uh, after a ripple from that it, it was into New Mexico, down into Tombstone. It just, you know, it affected an awful lot of what happened afterwards. Do you think, Travis, that uh, doing a film like that in the documentary form, long form, as it were, um, can tell the story better than if you attempt to, fi- I don't know, I would say, fictionalize it? Um, I don't know. The, Truth is better Make it than dramatic, in other words. Truth is better than fiction sometimes. Well, that, this is this. Is yeah. Cool. Well, but there's so much truth in fiction, and that was yeah. the point of Son of a Gun. Even mm-hmm. is that there's so much truth in lies, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of the, a southern thing a little bit. I feel yeah, like. yeah, yeah, um, it is. Yep. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's so tough to know what the right form of something is. It reminds me of Lonesome Dove. Which, to my research, you know, started as a screenplay, Streets of Laredo, mm-hmm. right? Was going to maybe be made by John Ford, or sorry, Howard Hawks, and then turned into a novel, turned into a miniseries. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, we would say the best form of that was either the novel or the miniseries, the mm-hmm. long form. But I want to see Streets of Laredo directed by Howard Hawks, you know? <laughs> yeah, um, right, right. So it's, it's just hard to say. I would. I would totally redo Pleasant Valley War without the interviews and make it ten hours and see see where that leads me as well. Yeah. Um, you know, you can we, reapproach stories in different ways. If we can go back to uh, Tombstone Rashomon for a moment, uh, I I I love that. I met Alex a couple of times in a screening here in Tucson, and then he hosted a uh, little screening on Spaghetti Westerns. But, uh, you know, the, the casting, which you did, and I didn't realize you do that, but uh, Eric Schumacher, I think, is the best, oh, doc, the best Doc Holiday ever. 
ever. He's a really talented actor. I love yeah. working with and him. And Christine so Diogen, who was who was Kate. I mean, the two of those were just are they, the two best, the best Kate and the best Doc ever. I, I'm, I'm a rabid fan of these guys. I got to meet Eric, a nice guy, and very, like you said, very talented actor. Yeah, I'd love to work with him again. Yeah, I think there's a lot of great things about that, and the format was such an interesting format. Mm-hmm. So it was great, grateful to work with Alex. He's a, he's definitely a classic director. It got, what a what a fascinating mind he has too. Wow, Bozier Yeah, mind. I mean, <laughs> his interesting western, which isn't a traditional one, is Walker with Ed yeah, Harris. Yes. You know, the, kind of an interesting movie for sure. That's definitely under the radar classic. Talk talk about the uh, the new frontier. That's a different kind of movie. So that is about as different as you can get in the twelve westerns in terms of moving away from the traditional western mm-hmm. of you know Ford and Hawks. I wanted to do something totally polar opposite. Um, it's all female cast, unless you count the werewolves, which are called he's. They represent men. And uh, it's got fantasy elements. It takes place in a completely different world, really. Um, it's pretty wild. It's pretty artsy. I kind of my my thought was if Ingmar Bergman, you know, the Swedish director, made a western, <laughs> what what would it look like? Um, or Alfred Hitchcock? And, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, so, but I love it. You know, mm-hmm. to me, my favorites of the twelve. You can't really pick favorites, but. If I'm going to ask people to watch them, I'd say watch Counting Bullets and watch The New Frontier because okay. they represent the polar opposites okay. of this of this series. And then you can meet the rest in the middle because you know, to me, New Frontier is, is totally modern and, and, and challenging the genre. And Counting Bullets is just a complete ode to everything that was great about the tradition. And, you know, we've been talking about your movies, but we haven't been talking about one of the key elements of your movies, and that is your actual participation in front of the camera. Because I, I understand you were one of the uh, primary he's in uh, New Frontier <laughs> as, yeah. a, as, a, as a werewolf. And also, uh, you know, you have the reputation as being one of the fastest filmmakers in the west and also one of the fastest beard growers in the west oh there who told you about the beard growing i'm, I'm sneaky i am i'm, I'm underhanded you are and, wow yeah no yeah one one actor walked up to me and said you you have many talents but your greatest talent is growing a beard faster than any man i know um but it's good when you're an actor because you can change your look very quickly. Yes, um, yes. Yeah, we all played werewolves. John Mars, myself, and Todd Self, one of our horse wranglers and actors. Um, not necessarily out of desire, but out of necessity. Yes. That movie was made with just a handful of people for six thousand dollars. So yeah, that's amazing. Um, we we didn't have a whole lot to work with, but it was a lot of fun, you know. Well, when um, you grow a beard that fast, it's easy to turn into a werewolf. <laughs> okay, so totally. So the challenge is. Uh, I'm sure are obvious making a movie for with a six thousand dollar budget versus one with a one hundred million with six hundred million dollar budget. So what do you what do you uh, scrimp on when you're looking at a movie like that? Food, food. Well, you know, I just got off of a movie in Montana, the biggest budgeted movie I've ever worked on, because mostly I've just made my own mm-hmm. as a two to three million dollar western. I don't know if you guys read about this with Gina Carano. Treasure Valley? um, No, this is Terror on the Prairie. Oh, no. Um, It's a a new film, and I think it's going to be really good. um, From the guy that did Bone Tomahawk. Oh, what a great movie. Oh, yeah, he's back. I've wanted to work with him for a while, so he he brought me on the team as a producer and actor and all kinds of stuff, stuntman. Um, But anyway, the differences are, you know, that team crew was 70 and a lot of times we're working with a max of 12 people sometimes way less sometimes yeah. just three or four three, people yeah. yeah um and then of course you know just we don't have as much equipment as as, as they do or or if we need something it's you can't just ask for it. you can't just order it and obviously every budget has its limitations even like right. a hero of mine Roger Deakin said, "Even with your, if you're working with fifty million dollars, it, it it presents fifty million dollar problems." Right. <laughs> but 
I did see on that film that there's just so much more many resources and for us you have to answer all that with creativity um, pure creativity um, and ingenuity so that's how we did it that's how we, we tried to work through and the films you, and you don't contract out uh, services like uh, sound services or lighting services do you? Well, when I could, I did. Okay. You know, I don't like operating the boom pole, but on some <laughs> of these films, I had to. And, yeah, and yeah. you know, I, I know well enough how to do it to, to get the sound that I at least the, the, the best sound I could for the circumstances. But like for Counting Bullets, it was literally just the director of photography and me. That's it. So mm-hmm. I had to do and John Mars had to do the blood makeup on everybody. There was one. Um, so it was pretty yeah. wild. There was one you know. scene, or not one, but many scenes in in Counting Bullets, where you used a particular peak as your frame. Oh, and that's beautiful. That's yeah. beautifully filmed, too, yeah, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's in the Dragoon Mountains. Yep. Um, such a beautiful area where Buffalo Soldiers were shot. Yep. I really loved that movie with Danny Glover. And um, it was cool to watch it recently and see some of the same spots yeah. that we kind of filmed. But, mm-hmm. the, yeah, the Dragoons is very underused it in is. Westerns, I think. Well, you know, you, you, were spe- you were speaking about, you know, having limited equipment. And that made me think about the woman, woman who robbed the stagecoach with a, a cell phone. I, you know, that is, that's amazing. I, I want to see that just to see what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah, we, we've been getting great responses from that because people say, you know, after the first few minutes, they forget that it was even shot on the cell phone. Right. And um, my whole point of making that one, my, pretty much the point of my career so far to some degree has been there's no no excuses. If you want to make a movie, you just go out and make it. And, right. and if you basically if you're sitting there saying, well, I can't get the money, I can't do this. It's kind of BS, you know, because there's always a way around those problems. Mm-hmm. And the cell phone film was was how do you make a, a period piece with just a cell phone, no fancy lenses added to it, anything, just this is it. What can you do? And I think it's pretty stunning what you can pull off these days with, you know, what I'm talking to you guys with right now. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> about amazing. a month ago, we had the writer on who wrote Pearl, which was a great biography of Pearl Hart and what an interesting topic to choose too yeah. how did you how did you go about choosing to do Pearl Hart one of my friends um, here in Globe Miami Superior area I actually read from him he gave me a newspaper article about her and, and I read it and I thought yeah it's okay I don't see a movie um, but then about a year later I said well I'll read some more on that and it was really what happened before yes. the stagecoach robbery that interested me most. This this woman who's kind of going through a series of unfortunate interactions with men over and over again, and then leading to this kind of fifteen minutes of fame, and and then kind of disappearing, going you know be, becoming just kind of a, a nobody again. Yeah, um, that's. Go ahead. No, I just say she was kind of a poster child for dysfunctional families. <laughs> yeah, to some degree, and you know that was one thing we discussed a lot with the actress. Is she she kind of said, "Well, where's the moment where she becomes like one of her heroes, like Julia Ward Ho?" Or, and I said, "Well, there is no moment. This is real life. She didn't. You know, she <laughs> robs a stagecoach, became famous for a little bit, and then be then just went into nothingness, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, to me, I like real stories like that versus, versus you know, Hollywoodized uh, versions mm-hmm. of things. And, a, and the girl stuff. who played Pearl, that was her first film, right? She never acted in a movie ever before. She walked into the casting call, and I just felt something from her that was so real. Um, she's an architect, and she just had such an authenticity about her. How cool. Hey, we got to do our final commercial break. We're talking with Travis Mills, Running Wild Films. We'll be back with much more of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West right after these important messages. Do not run away. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and a hacienda. 
That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home, perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Imus Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond checking stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Imus Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. 777-1911. I'm Mr. Red. No doubt you've heard about rescue groups for dogs and cats. But did you know there's a rescue group for horses? That's right. It's called Horses Around Rescue. Founders Steve Boyce and Teresa Worrell are helping out all those equine victims of neglect and cruelty by giving them a place to restore their health and wellness. And Horses Around provides a nurturing and natural environment where horses can be horses so they can be adopted out into forever homes. More than 120 horses, mules, and donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horses Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in Southeast Arizona. Your tax-deductible donations to Horses Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website, horsesaroundrescue.org. Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horsesaroundrescue.org. Hi, this is Craig Morgan with a special message for all those who have served in the U.S. Army. The National Museum of the United States Army, to be built at Fort Belvoir, Virginia, will include the Soldier's Registry, an electronic record of Americans who have worn the Army uniform, recognizing their service. I've already added my story to the registry. I hope you'll add yours. To learn more and to make your story a permanent part of the National Army Museum, visit armyhistory.org. Ain't you just a little bit out of your territory here, Marshal? I take my territory with me, and right now you're in it. This is the Voices of the West. Across the plains of Texas, with rustlers on the run, the rangers join together to rule by law and gun. Then we go riding, riding, riding. Swinging in the saddle, eager for a battle. Riding, riding, riding. On Amo Franzi's Voices of the West, you can imagine the Texas Rangers doing that, right? Yeah, okay. I can imagine Travis <laughs> doing a singing cowboy movie now. I think so. That sounds like that might be something uh, for the next a project. Bunch of Scruggs there, you know. Uh, Travis there Mill. was a musical. Yeah, there was a musical planned as one of the original nice. twelve. It didn't make the cut, but Over. it might be next. You know. Nice, know. nice. Running oh, Wild Films. Travis Mills is with us, and uh, uh, he's got a made a bunch of films but noted for 12 westerns in 12 months it's a great project and again if you have not seen any of these films you are Do missing so. out yeah you're missing out some uh, some, you know, good, you, some good stuff and you can find these uh many of them on amazon uh at their prime you or you can find them on tubi which is another free television streaming service and uh if you're really adventurous and you have uh an android tv box or something of that nature where uh all of your tv comes off of the internet you can find your favorite streaming movie app and type in any of the uh titles of these movies and chances are real good you're going to find them. And you can go back and yeah. listen to this show and get a bunch of those titles. Exactly. So, Travis, um, you said the film that you'd like to remake was your Pleasant Valley War. But what picture have you watched a Western that was made by somebody else that you always felt missed it and you'd like to remake it? Or that you might be inspired? Can I guess? Conniger. Go for it. 
Oh shit! You're yeah. listening. You, this guy really is paying attention. Um, <laughs> Don't let him fool you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I love Lamore's book, and I love the Sam Elliott movie. He's great. But you know, after after I watched the Sam Elliott film again as an adult, I'd seen it as a kid. Yeah. I thought, what's up with this ending? And so I read the book, and I thought it's got to be different. And then it wasn't. <laughs> it was the same in the book, and I said. I don't I don't like this ending by either of these guys. So I re- I wrote my own script and totally changed the ending. I mean it didn't change the nature of the ending, but I didn't have an end with the fist fight in the saloon. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like that that was a good proper ending to to the film. So uh so yeah, maybe one day I've reached out to the Lamore family. I don't think they're interested right now in, in any projects. Um, but the guy that did Bone Tomahawk, he said, you know, I love Lamore. If you can convince him, then uh, he's interested too. So well, maybe, maybe the word word will pass. Yeah, nice. Exactly. We're on board for you. Yeah, for sure. So favorite film, favorite Western film, Travis? Have you got one? Uh, so most outstanding. I, mean, I like that better. Or yeah, most outstanding film. As opposed to favorite. I mean, you know, it's hard to not point to something like the Tall T. And it might not be the biggest, most magnificent Western, but it's just all of the elements in the most simple way. There's something so beautiful about it. Scenery. I mean, yeah, the list is just, I mean, ombre. I love ombre. I worked on that Mm-hmm. Oh really? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great film. So many of those movies, and I'm still watching films all the time. The other night, I watched Five Card Stud, and it's not the best western ever made, but hell, it's a great movie. You yeah. know, um, yeah. I think it's I think it's better than um, Sons of Katie Elder, and I'd never seen it before. Yeah. So it, it, uh, it's a subtle of story. Great westerns. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is, and a, a great twist on the genre. I was really happy to see on your top ten cowboy movies fort massacre which is one of my favorites yeah, love yeah, that movie yep. yeah so what's happening with range detective is it does it look so like it might be a go well not unfortunately not with who i i was hoping that dallas the guy that did bone tomahawk would produce that but he he doesn't want to i may be converting it into a novel and then possibly also a series, mm-hmm. a kind of a Longmire type series, because really this is about, you know, as you know, like a stock inspector, yes. right? Which is something that hasn't been explored, I think, as much as it could. Mm-hmm. And one of my actors in the 12 Westerns, J.D. Pepper, was one. Oh. Um, so he's got tons of stories that oh, can inform cool. something that could be a series of novels or a, or a television series. Yeah. How cool. Well, you know, we had uh, uh, Bill, what's his name, Bill, mm-hmm. the one we've had on the shows many times. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah, he, we had, I cannot, I can't get his name, but we had him on the show way back, and his great-great-grandfather was okay. one of the... Bill Gans. Bill, not Bill Gans, yeah, that's no. a musician. Yeah. Uh, but anyhow, his grandfather was one of the founders oh, for yeah. one of the first... Yeah. Uh, range detective things back in Minnesota or Wisconsin. Yeah, Travis Mills. Awesome. Travis Mills, thank you so much for joining us uh, this afternoon. Man, this has been enlightening, and it, sir, it's a pleasure to speak with you. And even more, going to be even more pleasure to watch your films. <laughs> and we'll love to have no, you back is- anytime. <laughs> Please do. Yeah, this is great, guys. I mean, I want to thank you because I feel like you guys really get what we did and what we're trying to do, and that means a lot. Well, that's what we're trying to do, so we're on the same page. Absolutely. Westerns, it's preservation of that Old West culture. That's that's what we're all about. And And heritage and and, and so forth. And forget the bullshit. Yeah, exactly. And please don't forget to email me links where I can get all of these, and then I can... We'll put it on our website, to too. Put it on oh, the yeah. website and send, pass it around. Send so. me your address. I'll yep. be publishing my 12 Westerns book soon. I'll send you a copy. Excellent. So. Excellent. Very well. All right. Travis, thank you so much. Appreciate and um, good filming, man. Thank you. You guys take care. All right. Be well. Action. Take care. Thank you. Action. Let him roll. All right. Uh, that's it for this edition of Amo Franzi's Voices of the West. Next Saturday. We're going to talk about Native Americans and film. Yes. Because it is Native American Heritage Month. And so uh, every month is actually, or should be. It should be. Uh, it's 78, 79, and 12 ADOs. So long, everybody.
Thanks for listening to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West.